Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This is Honora. One of the deputies standing there with a the clipboard, he had some information that he had jotted down from the dispatcher. And he says, okay, um, we're looking for, I guess it's some one of these people that does triathlons or something like that. Danelle Boo. And I go, Belange? He says, oh yeah, that's it. Do you know her? And my heart sank at that moment. I kept noticing when there was sand or dirt, there was a uh, footprint and a dog footprint. And I'm starting to put two and two together, just going, this is getting to be a little package of clues. I stopped, turned the key off, and I heard the most amazing scream I've ever heard in my life. Help. I look back on it now, and I don't know how I survived. To be a great adventure racer, first and foremost, you have to be hard to kill. That is the bottom line. She was one tough cookie. My pelvis was shattered. It was completely broken in half. My toes were completely black from frostbite. This is somebody that the rules of our, our normal pain thresholds do not apply. There was the weather, there was the injuries, there was all of the circumstances that said, okay, you're done, and she said, no, I am not done. I had given all my own resources to try and save myself. The only thing that I had to help me was Taz. When the dog came running up to me in the ATV, it was a lot like a lassie thing. That's kind of the miracle of it. She's a four-time Pikes Peak Marathon winner, a world champion adventure racer, and six-time U.S. Athlete of the Year. Danielle Belenji was too tough to kill. There were a lot of things that had to come together to get Danielle rescued, and if any piece of that was missing, it wouldn't have happened. I'm Sylvester Stallone, and this is The Comeback. Okay, my name is Danelle Ballinger, and I live in Moab, Utah, and I chose to live here because of the outdoor opportunities and the uniqueness and the beauty of the area. I mean, the beauty and the remoteness and the trails and the river, and like, it's just an incredible place. And you can kind of get away with anything here in the outdoor recreation world. I mean, base jumping's legal here, where it's not in a lot of other places, so I mean, it's like, it's kind of the perfect place for people to come to kind of do whatever they want in the outdoors. My passion is to compete and participate in endurance sports. And the more competitive and the harder the event, the more appealing it is to me. 
I've won world championships in several different sports. Adventure racing is probably the sport that I've excelled in the most. Danelle Belangi had won the Pikes Peak Marathon four times. Three times she'd won the most punishing endurance event in the world, Primal Quest, a 400-mile race over land, water, mountain, and desert terrain. So going for an eight-mile run off-road with a dog, Taz, really shouldn't have been a big deal. It was December 13th, 2006, and I just had a normal morning. I got up, I checked my emails, took care of a few things around the house, and I wanted to get a nice long run in. And um, so I had a loop in mind near my house. I had done it a couple times. I grabbed my fanny pack, and I decided not to bring my phone because there's just no reception in the area, and I knew it would just be extra weight. So I did a few errands, uh, got hungry, swung by the Burger King, got a chicken sandwich and a cup of coffee, and uh, went headed out to the trailhead. It was cold, but it was clear and sunny. All right, my name's John Marshall. I hail here from Moab, Utah, in the middle of the nowhere desert. Our temperature swings here in the Moab area year-round are tremendous, but it's those days when it's warming up, it's 55, 60 degrees, when it may be beautiful to go out for a run. Wow, that night is gonna get as low as, you know, 20 degrees. 20 degree nights is deadly. A couple weeks prior, I had met uh, a guy at a snowshoe race that I was doing and seemed like a, a nice guy and he had contacted me and we had had our first date you know, I was out on the run and I was thinking, huh, I wonder where this will go. You know, I was kind of excited about the potential of, you know, getting a chance to meet this guy more and seeing where it might go. The route that I was going on, you head up the main trail and then you cut off into this kind of more remote canyon. It was kind of in the middle of nowhere. And you head up the canyon bottom and it leads to a section of slick rock. So you have to sort of shuffle up the slick rock, maybe using your hands a little bit, and then you kind of run along the slick rock shelf. Before I even knew what was happening, my foot just hit a piece of ice. Next thing I know, I am falling down the cliff. I'm sliding and sliding, and then all of a sudden, the cliff became an overhang, and I launched off the overhang, and then boom. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. 
What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE. And I touched my right leg and I could feel it. I touched my left leg and I could feel it. So I went to get up, but I couldn't, I couldn't get up. I, I couldn't walk. And I was like, oh, shoot. Okay, I've still got to go get help because something's not quite right here. I'll just crawl out. I couldn't really get my, my knees to bend. I couldn't really get my pelvis off the ground in order to, to crawl out. So I thought to myself, okay, I'm just going to drag myself out. So I just laid on the ground and I had the strength of my upper body and I just started pulling myself. <coughs> then sure enough, I see Taz. And he came from the other direction and he had come around and got to me. So I thought to myself, okay, I need to follow where he went to drag myself out of here. I'm Clive Wynn, the director of the Canine Science Collaboratory at Arizona State University, where I'm also a professor in the Department of Psychology. People and dogs have been sharing together going back over 10,000 years. And that is this just absolutely amazing intermeshing of our lives. Humans and dogs, we're not closely related. I mean, we're both mammals, but humans are a type of ape and dogs are a type of carnivore. I mean, that's not a very close relationship in an evolutionary sense. And yet our expectations of social life, of family life, are so compatible with each other that we can have these amazing reciprocated bonds of love. So our dogs have tremendous empathy for us. If we're in trouble, they comprehend that we're in trouble and they want to help. But by and large, their capacity to help, especially to problem solve, is very, very limited. I had the mind of an endurance athlete at this time. So even though I was only going, you know, an inch every several minutes, I just kept putting my best effort into it and just kept dragging myself. And it took me five hours to go about a quarter mile. And um, it was starting to get dark. There were, happened to be a little puddle of water, like a little pothole with some water in it. So I thought to myself, okay, I'll just stay here for the night and then I'll just heal up regain some strength, and I'll drag myself out the rest of the way in the morning. In December, the temperature in the Moab desert drops to below freezing. If Danelle stops moving, her brain will tell her blood vessels to constrict. This moves the blood away from the skin's surface where heat can escape, and it redirects that blood to the body's most vital organs. If she doesn't get to safety soon, Danelle will experience severe hypothermia. She has to stay awake and keep moving, just to stay alive. That night it was so cold that all I could think about was not getting hypo hypothermia and not dying and not getting frostbite. So I just sort of did little head crunches. I couldn't do full sit-ups because it would have been too exhausting to continue doing them because I had to basically do them all night. Enough to keep myself warm, to keep the blood flowing. And then I just kind of wiggled my toes trying to keep them from getting frostbite. I think Taz was wondering, why are you sleeping on this cold, uncomfortable rock? Like, why can't we find a more comfortable place, like maybe in the dirt or on some nice soft brush or something like that? And I think he was wondering why I picked this spot. 
And when our dogs recognize that we are in distress, they become distressed themselves. So I'm utterly and completely convinced that Danelle in this terrible, terrible situation, her dog Taz surely recognized the intensity of Danelle's distress and the difficulty of the situation that she was in. And I remember the sun came up in the morning and I just waited and waited till it, the sun hit me and finally the sun hit me. What I did see was birds flying overhead and it was actually quite beautiful watching them. It was just something I noticed and it was something to give me a little bit of positiveness just watching them, you know, enjoying watching them. Where she had had her accident was deep into a canyon. So if the sun is coming up at seven o'clock in the morning and setting at four o'clock in the afternoon, in the bottom of that canyon, that sun may not come up till 11, 12 o'clock and it may set at two o'clock in the afternoon. So you're only having two hours of warming daylight in the bottom of a canyon. Finally, the sun hit me where I could feel the warmth of the sun and I thought, okay, now I gotta drag myself out of the canyon. And this time I couldn't move at all. Immediately after an accident, adrenaline floods a person's system. It's the fight-or-flight hormone that enabled Danelle to drag her body a quarter of a mile the day before. But this adrenaline rush has expired, and the extent of her injuries have become all too apparent. I kept trying, but I just could not move. And, and this time when I did try to move, it hurt. Like, my, my body hurt. So then I just started calling for help, just yelling as loud as I could. But I was in the middle of nowhere. Nobody could hear me. I tried everything. I tried using my little watch to signal when I saw airplanes overhead or, I mean, I was just trying. The only thing I had to keep me alive at that point was just hoping that a miracle would happen. You know, hoping that somebody would notice that I was missing hoping that maybe somebody would randomly come up this remote canyon in the middle of nowhere and be able to hear me yelling for help or see me there. I look back now and I think, gosh, I mean, how did I hang on to hope? Because I didn't tell anybody where I was going. I mean, this is, I live by myself. It was just Taz and I. All of a sudden, the sun is behind the canyon wall. It's night again. A whole day went by, and the whole day I was putting forth effort into trying to get out. And then all of a sudden the day was passed and the sun was going down, and I knew I had to face a second night out there in the canyon. That second night, it was a bit surreal. I was going downhill, like I would look up at the stars and my vision would have to catch up with me. And then the stars would sort of blurry, like move. So wherever I looked, it would take a while for me to see what I was looking at. And I would see this blur and then it would sort of become clear. The strange phenomena that Danelle was experiencing were the result of acute hypothermia. Her brain was shutting down. It would only be a matter of time before she loses consciousness. And also that night, it seemed like I was hearing 
voices that were almost like my adventure racing teammates, like, come on, Nellie, come on, Nellie, you know, stay awake, stay awake, Nellie. And it was almost like there was some other voice that was sort of reminding me to not fall asleep, to keep doing my crunches, to keep doing my toe taps, just to keep me awake and to keep me alive. It was very surreal. And I stayed awake the whole time. I knew that if I went to sleep that I would never wake up. At this point, I had given all my own resources to try and save myself. All I had was Taz. And I asked Taz to go get help. And normally Taz won't leave me. I mean, he's been with me ever since he was a little puppy. He looked at me when I was asking him, and I remember he tilted his head to one side, and then he tilted his head to the other side. And I gave him permission. I'm like, go, Taz, go, you know, it's okay, go get help. And he took off. Danelle's neighbor, Dorothy Rossignol, noticed she hadn't been home for a couple of days. It was unusual to see Danelle's lights on. The curtains were open and her laptop was still glowing. That's when she called Gary and Peggy Belangi in Evergreen, Colorado. She told Danelle's parents that she was worried. And the page comes across the sheriff's radio, says we need search and rescue to respond to the search and rescue shed for a missing triathlete. And I happened to be that officer in charge that day, went down to the rescue shed where the deputy is standing there with a the clipboard. And he says, okay, um, we're looking for a Danelle, B- and I go, Belangi? He says, oh yeah, that's it. Do you know her? And my heart sank at that moment. I said, this isn't just somebody that took a wrong turn somewhere and just got lost. This is Danelle Belangi, the toughest human being I've ever met in my life. And she's been missing for several days in the desert. She's missing, there's something seriously wrong. You know, my mind instantly starts going to the darker sides and saying, well, this is not gonna turn out well at all. When you're about to die, it makes you think about what's important. And that's when I started thinking about my family and I wasn't ready for it. But one of the things that that I'd always wanted was to have a family, you know, and I just met this great guy and I thought, now I'm not gonna have a chance to have a family. Well, hello, my name is Craig Shumway, and I was a detective for the Moab City Police Department during the time of this incident. I had a sergeant over me, and he came into my office first thing in the morning, and he told me that they had checked the entire city limits, and nothing was turned up. He also told me she could be out on one of these trailheads out here waiting to be found. So I felt this impelling commitment, I guess, to go out and see if I could do something more, even though they'd already checked the city limits. I felt like I wanted to go out and check some trailheads, knowing that she could be anywhere in the Moab area. And there's probably a hundred trailheads between town and there. However, through his own spidey senses, he thought, hmm, I bet it's up Cane Creek. He just bypassed all of the other potential trailheads without even stopping to look them and went right to the trailhead in Cane Creek and said, "Ah, there was her truck. How he found that, what intuition told him to go there, I have no idea, but now we've got a starting point. So we've got the dispatch, we've got the missing person information. I'm the guy in charge, so I took my available resources, which was the other search and rescue members. Okay, I'd like you two 
to check over here. I'd like you three to go up this canyon. I want you two to look over here and kind of divided our resources. And Bago and one other gentleman were on two of our off-road vehicles and they were starting up the Amasaback Trail. My name is Bago Gerhardt and at the time I'd been in Grand County Search and Rescue for a number of years. Well, Donnell being a distance runner, she could be anywhere within 15 miles of that truck. That's a lot of ground, there are a lot of trails, and my assignment was to take a Polaris Ranger and go up the Jeep road. Meanwhile, other people were running or hiking trails, other roads, I mean, there were people all over the landscape. So, we're all meeting up in Cane Springs near where her truck was parked. And at that time, looking down into the canyon, we see this lone dog. Well, we call the dog, Come here, come on, come on. The dog came to us, ran around in circles, would not let anybody grab it. I thought this poor dog's out here all alone in the middle of wintertime. And then it dawns on us, that's right. She was reported to possibly have her dog with her. Once again, my heart sank. I think I know dogs very, very well. I know mine would never leave my side if I still had a pulse. Okay, then I started up my Jeep trail assignment. And I kept noticing when there was sand and, or dirt, there was a uh, footprint and a dog footprint. And I'm starting to put two and two together, just going, this is, this is getting to be a little package of clues. And then here comes the dog again. Now he's going up the trail that the UTVs are on. So I grabbed the radio and I said, I think that may be Danelle's dog. It's going someplace and it looks like it's on a mission. And then a while later, I was informed on the radio that the dog was coming up toward me. So I stopped my ATV and sit there and wait for the dog, which is only a few minutes. And the dog comes and sits about 15 feet away, looks at me. I'm going, the dog's telling me something. So I get out of my ATV and walk toward the dog. Dog moves. I stop, dog stops. Okay, I'll follow the dog. Up and over this hill to a... Uh, old Jeep road that I only sort of knew existed, but there were those same footprints and dog footprints as I had been seeing on the way up. And I went, okay, Danella's this way. I heard a sound in the distance that sounded like a vehicle, but I had been hearing these sounds over the last couple of days. It was like a airplane or a, a vehicle in the distance or whatever. All of them just sort of came and went. And I was like, I'm not gonna get my hopes up. But the sound kind of was getting louder. And then all of a sudden I see Taz coming back to me. He came running towards me and he was wagging his tail. And I was sad because I was like, oh my God, I'm going to die. And here's my just adorable dog that is my best bud wagging his tail. And then he started drinking from my puddle. And that was like my lifeline. I'm like, couldn't you find another puddle, Taz? And he licked my face. I'm going up the side canyon, which is narrowing. And I'm going, well, I'll just drive as far as I can. And I stopped, turned the key off and I heard the most amazing scream I've ever heard in my life. Help. This little person lying on bare rock was Danelle. He said, I'm here for you. And I was like, oh my gosh, I am so glad to see you. And he said. 
And I said, well, I'm glad you can tell me you're glad to see me. Hearing his voice say that he was there for me, I went from like the worst moment of my life, thinking I wasn't gonna make it, to like the best moment of my life. I just got a second chance. I'm gonna get a chance to live more. So I went down to her and got next to her. And that's when all the emotion came out of both of us. I was crying from being, you know, so sad, thinking about, you know, my parents to lose their daughter and my friends and my family and my sister to lose their sister. And I was just, went from sadness to like tears of joy. Like, I'm gonna make it through this. I'm gonna get a chance to live my life, to do the things that I hadn't done yet, to have more time on earth to explore and to see what life is all about. We're both in tears for a minute, and then I wrapped her up in a Dr. Down warm-up bag. I didn't want to warm her up too fast, because that's not good medically, and got on the radio and informed everybody of where I was, and please get a helicopter coming to get her out of there. Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about how to think. Paula, while certainly you can mess up on a million dollars a year, it is far less likely than it is on $30,000 a year. Right. I would meet wonderful people that were struggling with a budget that was super tight. It was 100%. You need to make more money. Make smarter choices and build a better life. Afford Anything, wherever you listen. They helicoptered me to St. Mary's Hospital in Grand Junction. I mean, they were looking at the x-rays and my pelvis was shattered. It was completely broken in half. My toes were completely black from frostbite. They thought that I would lose my toes, all of them, and that I would not walk again. And I started to think, okay, I'm gonna be in a wheelchair the rest of my life. I mean, I was glad to be alive after that experience, but at the same time, it's. It was like, gosh, I want to be able to do what I love to do. You know, I love to run. I wanted that. My main doctor, I'll never forget his name, it was Dr. Hack, who did the surgery. And uh, he definitely did not hack me up. He actually did the opposite. He put me right back together. After the surgery, it was rough for a while, and I was in a wheelchair, but I was like, going to take the same training mentality that I took with training to be a professional endurance athlete, and I would just go back and forth in the wheelchair training, like trying to get my heart rate up. I had this motivation to get back strong again. Eventually got where I could get into the pool, and I could start doing some pool running. And I remember after a session of acupuncture, which I never really believed before, I felt this like little twitch in my calf and I couldn't use the calf muscle before. And I was like, I can use my calf now. So I immediately stood up and oh my God, it hurt. And it, I was so wobbly. I was like, yes, you know, I'm gonna do this. So finally I got the okay to, to not use the wheelchair to start walking again. And then once again, I went through this same mentality as I took into my training to be a professional athlete into learning how to walk again. 
Vanel trained with her walker for months, building her muscles and her confidence until finally, one day, she could not only walk again, but she was ready to compete. I love adventure racing and I wanted so bad to get back into it. So there's this adventure race and I'm like, I'm just gonna sign up for it. So I started the race and the first part of the race was the kayaking. Well, I'd been doing all this wheelchair training and my upper body was stronger than it had ever been. And then we had the bike to the finish. And I remember that ride to the finish. Oh my God, it was so hard. So I made it to the finish and then they calculated all the results and sure enough, I won. But I was just like so excited to be out there just doing it, like to be alive again and to be able to do it. So the guy I had met a couple weeks prior to the accident, who I was thinking about when I was out there, he ended up meeting me at the hospital in Denver. Sure enough, we ended up getting married, having a business together, running a restaurant called Melt Stop and Eat in Moab. And we have two absolutely amazing little boys that are they're actually 10 and 12 years old now. Hudson's Wall is coming into the big time from Colville, Utah. There's a hard charger for you right there. Congratulations, Hudson, you uh, finished the Moab Trail Half Marathon. So yeah, so we're, we're in Moab in the place where Danelle almost lost her life. You know, this race, the Moab Trail Marathon, um, is kind of the, the brainchild of, I think, of her experience being out here in the desert. Um, and, and all these years later, it's kind of come to this, one of the top marathons, I think, in the country. It's like the best week of my life is getting that course ready for everybody. It's my opportunity to go out and, you know, see every mile of it and get some exercise and enjoy being out there and it's so peaceful. And it's just, it's incredible. I mean, the race, the marathon goes through Taz's Canyon, um, quote unquote, Taz's Canyon, the unofficial name. Um, Taz was her dog that saved her life here. Taz actually passed away a year ago. He was 17 years old. He just died of old age, but he lived a long, good life. He was a character and he liked to get in trouble and he was an explorer dog, you know, just like me. It's a lucky story because you take an untrained dog and its capacity to help a person who's in distress is limited. It's motivated, it wants to help, but its capacity to help is limited. And so I think this is a really touching story because here it was within Taz's capacity to help Danelle and, and he went ahead and did so. And so the whole thing had a happy outcome, but it could so easily have gone the other way. So it's, it's a moving story. To be a great adventure racer, first and foremost, you have to be hard to kill. She was one tough cookie. Her determination to survive overwhelmed all of the, the let's say the cosmic uh, forces that were trying to kill her off at that point. You know, there was the weather, there was the injuries, there was all of the circumstances that said, okay, you're done. And she said, no, no, I'm not. I am not done. I'm gonna keep forcing myself through. I'm gonna stay awake. I'm gonna keep myself warm. I'm gonna do my little mini crunches. I'm gonna do all of these things because I'm not ready to check out. I'm not done with this life yet. So. Is there anything spiritual about it? Um, I will say the human spirit is the spiritual aspect I get. Some people would have just sat on a rock 
and died. Danelle survived because she's tough. She's been, was into distance running for a long time. She trained, she was a winner in a, a lot of those contests and, and you just, you just don't win those things unless you're pretty darn tough. The other reason she survived is all these things that had to happen to get us to her happened. I mean, a lot of it is your mental attitude. If you think you can, you can. If you don't think you can, then you, it's true, you won't be able to. The Comeback is brought to you by Imperative Entertainment and is created, written, and edited by Giles Andrew and Elliot Watson of Honor Productions. Executive producers are Sylvester Stallone and Braden Aftergood of Balboa Productions, Jason Hoke of Imperative Entertainment, and Trevor Groth of 30 West. The Comeback is produced by Honor Productions and Balboa Productions in association with 30 West. Original music for the series composed by Dan Powell, sound design and sound mixing also by Dan Powell. Special thanks to Danelle Balangi, Rob Galler, Bego Gerhardt, Michelle Lyman, John Marshall, Craig Shumway, Stacey Todd, and Clive Wynn. Special thanks to Ryan Ibushi, Dawn Bishwal, Alex Witherill, and Charles Denton. Poster design and graphics by Dana Kim and Ricardo Imperial. Key art photography of Sylvester Stallone by Michael Putland. Narration engineered by Skylar Kilborn. Please subscribe, download, and share, and follow us on social media for extra content and updates. The Bigger Pockets portfolio of podcasts are worthy of your investment. We're having a real conversation as real real estate investors. New episodes available every day. It's important to buy where it makes money and not necessarily where you want to travel to. Bigger Pockets on the market, rookie real estate or money podcast. The purpose of flipping is to create more cash so then you can reinvest into other types of properties. The Bigger Pockets podcast on YouTube or wherever you listen. Welcome to Talkville, the ultimate Smallville rewatch podcast. Guest star Sarah Carter as Alicia Baker. Although I didn't really work with her a lot. But Tom did, and they had some real big smoochy scenes. Yeah. Can we talk about that? Could there be any more sex? What was a three-page makeout scene that just kept going? Good Lord. We get it. They have chemistry. Jump in now or catch up on any of the past seasons of Talkville on YouTube or wherever you listen.